Well, if you will go ahead and turn to Malachi chapter 4, we are in verse 4 through 6 this morning. We are finishing up the book of Malachi. I hope that you have already been blessed this morning. We've had a wonderful day of worship. We've had wonderful special music. I hope that you were blessed by the missions report that we've had this morning. And I hope that that encourages you to come and join us this week. We are having our missions conference on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Um, And we hope that you will come and join us on uh, Thursday and Friday night. We are starting at 7 o'clock. And on Saturday, we are starting at 6 so that we can have a missions fair directly after that. The missions fair will be an opportunity for you to come and to see some of the different local ministries you can be involved in, to see some of the national ministries um, that you can take part in, whether it's disaster relief or whether it's um, some of the associational trips that we can have the opportunity to take part in. And then there's also opportunities for you to take international trips as well. And so we hope that you will come um, and make plans to uh, come all three nights if possible, but definitely you'll want to come on that Saturday night. Uh, Greg McGee is joining our praise team, and they're going to be leading worship. Um, and so we're excited about that. Um, I'm also excited about the speakers that we have. Preston Thompson, our DOM for our association, will be here on Thursday night. Nick Drake, who is the pastor at Richland Baptist, um, will be here on Friday night, and I'm excited about him. Nick is a former IMB missionary, and I know that you'll be blessed to hear from him as well. And then Saturday night, um, an old mentor of mine, Joe Banderman, will be here. Joe is the director, or works for Disaster Relief of Missouri, and he is the director for college students as part of that ministry. Um, And you're going to want to come hear him speak as well. Joe pulls no punches. Um, I told him when I, uh, just last week, we were talking about some of the final details for this weekend, and I said, Joe, I need you to know that as excited as I am about you preaching on Saturday, I am terrified to hand you a microphone, because that man has more stories on me than probably my parents do. Um, And so uh, the only thing that saves me is I have stories about him as well. And so, but I know that you're going to want to hear him. I know that he'll be a great blessing to you. So I hope that you make plans um, to come. All, like I said, all three nights, but especially on Saturday for the, for the fair as well. All right, hopefully by now you have found Malachi, so if you would stand as we read God's Word together. Again, we are in Malachi chapter 4, and we are reading verses 4 through 6 this morning. It says, Remember the law of my servant Moses, the statutes and rules that I commanded him at Horeb for all of Israel. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes, and he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. Let me pray for us this morning. Father, we just come before you, Lord, as a family. Lord, we come before you as your people, as your children. And Lord, I I pray that this morning that our worship has been honoring to you. I pray that the songs that we have have given up to you this morning have been pleasing to your ears. I pray that they have come from a heart of truth. I pray that they've come from a pure heart this morning as we desire to seek you. Lord, I, I thank you for the opportunity, Lord, that many of us have had to serve you either through missions or through local ministries. Um, and, and Lord, just what a blessing it is to be used by our Father for His work. Lord, I pray that we would continue to desire that. And Lord, I pray this morning, Lord, as we look at Your Word, as we desire to hear from You, Lord, that You would change us, that You would transform us so that when we go out, that we're different. 
Lord, help us to look back and to look forward this morning so that we may remember this great God that we serve. And I pray this all in the beautiful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. As we conclude this morning, as we conclude the book of Malachi this morning, the ending is slightly different. Throughout the book of Malachi, what we've had is God making a declaration to the people of Israel and then the people of Israel questioning that um, because they don't see themselves in the same light that he does. Um, They have denied their sin. They have denied that they have done any wrongdoing. And so they question God about the declaration that he makes. They call into question his character many times. And then God responds to that question. So the conclusion is just a little bit different than that. The conclusion, God gives them two commands. He gives them, well, he gives them really a command, and then he gives them something else to look forward to. And the, the declaration or the, the command that he gives them at first starts with the word remember. It starts with the word remember there. This isn't just a command to think about the past, but it's a call to re-experience and renew the thing that they had been given. The people of Israel, and we see this throughout the book of Malachi, they had forgotten their first love. They no longer saw God as someone to have a relationship with. Rather, they saw God as someone just that should be blessing them all the time, regardless of how they live. And so God looks at them, looks at them in this passage and says, you need to remember. And by that, He means you need to rededicate, you need to relive, to re-experience that thing that I have done in your life. And what is he calling them to remember? Well, he specifically says that he calls them to remember the law. But one, one commentator says very, he puts it very well, he says that, the word, the, the word law there is really a very poor translation for what is intended there. When we speak of the law, when we speak of the Torah that's given in the Old Testament, what we really see is that it is divine instruction for life. He is calling them to remember that he has given them a roadmap to himself because they have forgotten that. They look at the law, and much like we do most of the time, we see it as a checklist of do's and don'ts. We say, if I do this, and I do this, and I do this, then that makes me a good Christian. And if I don't do this, and I don't do this, and I don't do this, then I'm inside the, the box, and the box is safe. But we have no desire for a relationship. We have no desire to really know God. We just want to make sure that we're checking off all the, all the boxes on the list so that we can look good. And that's what the people of Malachi are saying. That's how the people of Malachi are experiencing religion. And God is asking them this morning, and he's commanding them this morning, stop it. Just stop. Go back and remember what I have done for you. Go back and remember who I am. Because the reality is, the truth of it is, is that the biggest problem, the Israel's greatest problem throughout its history is forgetfulness. Throughout its history, Israel has this problem where they consistently can't remember what God has just done for them. We see this from the very beginning as he calls them out of Israel. 
he, or sorry, as he calls them out of Egypt, God performs all these amazing miracles so that they can be released. He parts the Red Sea so they can cross it on dry land. He destroys their enemies behind them so that they won't be chased through the desert. And yet they get to the mount where God gives them the Ten Commandments, where he lays out this divine instruction that they may have a relationship with him, and they forget. They, it's like they don't remember what just happened a few months ago. They don't remember this God parting the, the sea and allowing them to cross. It's like they have amnesia. And so he gives them the law and he calls them back and they're like, okay, yeah, we're back on the same page. And they go a few months more and then they forget him again and they begin to complain about how they have no food, how they have no water. And they begin to say, what have you done? You've dragged us out here to die. And it's like they've completely forgotten that this is the God that has provided for them, that has saved them the whole way. And yet he provides. And for a while they are satisfied and they are good. But then they get to the edge of the promised land, this place that has been talked about from generation upon generation upon generation. And now they're on the edge of it and they're about to enter into it and they see giants and they forget a God who destroyed and completely humbled the nation of Egypt for them. A God who had came down in a pillar of fire upon the mount. A God who had delivered them throughout the desert as he provided for their every need. They forget all of it and they get scared and they turn back. Finally, God is able to rise up a generation. They go into the promised land, but they're not in the promised land, but maybe a few generations and they begin to walk away from God. They begin to chase after idols and they forget him. And they're put their discipline for that and then it happens over and over again as you go through the book of judges over and over again they just forget and they forget and they forget and they forget who this god is who it is they serve how he has how he has met every need how he has rescued them over and over again and they go, they get to the point where God exiles them, where God takes them out of the promised land. He allows Babylon and the Assyrians to carry them off and to put them in another land for a while. But even then, he keeps them whole. He keeps them safe. And he pulls them back. And he helps them to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And he helps them to rebuild the temple. But it's not but a few decades after that that the people of Malachi, the people that Malachi is writing to, have completely forgotten him. They have forgotten his provision. They have forgotten his love. They have forgotten who he is. And so no longer do they desire a relationship with him, but rather they just treat him like a genie in the bottle. And they want him to bless them no matter what. They want him to provide for them and to do things their way, in the way that they think is best, forgetting all that he has done for them forgetting all of who he is. And so God commands them, remember me. Remember your history. Remember how I have provided. Remember the great things that I have done. He calls them in Malachi 3.7, return to me and I will return to you. It's kind of like what we talked about a few weeks ago about the man who is in the truck and his wife is sitting on the other side of the cab and she's like, why don't we sit next to each other anymore? And he goes, I'm not the one that's new. 
God has not moved. He desires for us to come close to him and to have a relationship for him. He has given us divine instruction that we may see that roadmap, not a list of do's and don'ts, but we may see a roadmap for having a relationship with him and having a relationship and how we're to interact with others around us. But we so easily forget. We so easily forget. And mostly we forget because we don't tell the story. We, tell, we don't remember, we don't look back at our own lives, we don't relive those moments when God has done great things in our lives, but rather we let them slip into a black hole of forgetfulness because we don't retell the story, because we don't think about it, because we try to do things our own way and we take for granted those times that he has carried us through. So he starts off by saying, you need to remember me. But then he turns around and he says, look forward. He says in verse 4, remember the law of my servant Moses and the statutes and rules I commanded him at Horeb for all of Israel. But then in verse 5, he says, behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. He says, yes, you need to look back. Yes, you need to remember, but you also need to look forward because this is not going to be the way things always are. If you'll remember, the people of Malachi were living in some pretty tough times. They were living in times of crop failure. They were living under the authority of another nation. They were going through difficult things, and, and God reminds them He goes and tells them, hey, this is not the way it's always going to be. I am coming. I am present. And I'm going to be very real to you. And before that happens, before that day of the Lord comes, I'm going to send Elijah to you. And I think it's important for us to understand this character, Elijah. We need to understand first his identity. Who is this Elijah that he speaks of? Well, first, I think we need to recognize that for the most part, it's widely widely believed, and, and I would tend to agree with this, that Elijah is not, it's not a literal term here. Okay, throughout, let me explain it this way. Throughout the book, or throughout the Old Testament, not just the book, but throughout the Old Testament, again and again, it's referenced that David will again reign on the throne. Okay, that David will be established. Okay, that his kingdom will be reestablished. But we understand that it's not saying that David's going to be resurrected and planted on the throne of Israel, but rather we see that fulfilled in the line of David as Jesus Christ takes over the kingdom. So it's not a literal David. In the same way here, it's not a literal Elijah, okay? At least not immediately. It's not a literal Elijah, but it's a prophet who will be in the line of Elijah, who will have the same ministry as Elijah, who will have the same spirit of Elijah, and we see that fulfilled, Luke one seventeen. we see that fulfilled in the ministry of John the Baptist. If you read through as the angel speaks to the father of John the Baptist, what you'll see is those ministry, the ministry that he proclaimed for John the Baptist matches almost identical to the ministry of the Elijah figure in Malachi. Even Jesus himself will say that Elijah has come. John the Baptist is going to deny that, but he's going to deny it because he's saying, I'm not the physical Elijah. I'm not the embodiment of Elijah. Okay? And so that's because that's what the expectation was of the Jewish people. So he's going to deny it for that reason. But he's fulfilling... He's fulfilling the ministry and he's fulfilling the prophecy that's here. But not only that, I I think it's safe for us to identify 
in Revelations 11, we have two prophets that are going to walk before the, the day of judgment, and they're going to proclaim the kingdom of God as well, and I believe that it's safe for us to connect this prophecy in Malachi with that as well. But I believe more importantly than the identity of this prophet, more important than the identity of this figure, Elijah, we must look at his ministry. What is his ministry to be? And we see that in verse 6. It says, And he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of destruction, utter destruction. What was his ministry? Well, first, his ministry is to bridge the gap. He's, he's going to be the one that grabs a hold of what has been and looks over here and grabs what will be and brings them together. We see this in the ministry of John the Baptist as he is the last of the prophets. His feet are firmly planted on the foundation of the Old Testament and of the law. And as he, as he stands on that foundation, he proclaims the coming of the King, the coming of the Messiah, who will usher in a new covenant, who will baptize with fire, he says. And he prepares the hearts of the people for this new thing that God's going to do. Not forgetting the old covenant, not, not forgetting what has all come in front and above, but building a, upon it. And so we see him as this bridger of a gap, of a generational gap, of a covenant gap that has been present. But I think we also see here in his ministry the restoring of the home says there that he turns the hearts of the of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers in malachi we have seen how the people of malachi have absolutely decimated the home we've seen that they have viewed marriage as something that it was never intended to be we see how they've allowed divorce to destroy the home from within and so no longer is the home the place of instruction that God intended it to be. No longer is the home the place of safety that God intended it to be. But rather it has been fractured because of a lackadaisical attitude by the people of God towards marriage and towards the family. And God says that if this is not changed, if Elijah doesn't come, if he doesn't turn the hearts of fathers back to their children, if he doesn't turn the hearts of children back to their families, that they will face utter destruction. This is different than, is, than is anything Israel has faced before. Israel has faced discipline. They have faced exile. They have faced times when God has, has come and proclaimed things to them. But this term utter destruction is something completely new for them. This term utter destruction means they are going to be wiped off the face of the earth. He says, if you guys don't remember, if you all don't protect the family, if it doesn't fulfill what is going on, then, then you're going to experience something like you've never experienced it before. The family is instrumental to what God is doing amongst his people. Because as fathers turn their hearts, as parents turn their hearts to children, what do they do? They impart to them, they teach them about who God is. They're the ones remembering 
the stories of the great things God has done and telling those and passing those on to their children. They're the ones helping them to understand that that this book that we have, this divine instruction we have, is not just a checklist of do's and don'ts, but rather it's a roadmap for us to be able to experience God in a new and vibrant way. That God is alive, that he desires to be interactive into our lives on a daily basis. That when we pray, it just doesn't hit the ceiling, but rather it goes before the Lord and the God of all creation, and that he answers those things. Parents have a responsibility to speak those truths into the lives of their children. And the ministry of Elijah is to reestablish that. To reestablish that connection. To reestablish what the family was meant to be. And it's a reminder to us as well. It's a reminder to us as well that that's what our responsibility is to be. That we too have as parents, as grandparents, as those of us that that are teachers and and older, we have a responsibility to turn our hearts towards children and to help our children to understand who he is and how they can have a relationship with him. We've seen beautiful pictures of that over and over again the last few months as we've baptized children from our congregation and seen God work this out in our midst. How do, we, how do we do this? Well, one, we need to remember the basics. Do we remember the basics? Do we remember what God has done in our life? Do we go back to that moment when we gave him and entrusted him with our salvation? When we said, Father, forgive me and be Lord, be boss of my life. Do we remember all the times in our lives when God has come through for us over and over again, when he's met our need, when he's comforted us in times of difficulty? Do we remember those things and do we allow the memories of those things as we relive them to drive us farther into our faith, to spur us on to trust him with greater things than those? Second, are we teaching our children and grandchildren? Do we take that responsibility seriously? As a father, as a parent, do you have a time when you sit down with your child and open up God's word and talk to them about those things? And not only that, but I would challenge you with this. Not only will I ask you, are you teaching them about David and Goliath? Are you teaching them about Daniel and the lion's den? Are you teaching them about what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross? But my question to you this morning would be, are you telling them the stories of what he has done for you? Those are the stories that are going to be just as impactful on them as the story of David and Goliath. When they hear about how God provided for you as a family, how God saved you from this situation or that situation, how God made you a child of God, how God saved you from your own sin, those are the stories they're going to be remembering. Those are the stories that are going to make these things come alive. And then when they read the story of David and Goliath, they can be like, yeah, that was just like the time he did this for you, Dad. Do you remember that, Dad, when God saved you from this, when God saved you from that accident, when God saved you from that illness, when God provided this for our family? That was just like this. God is awesome. They need to know those things. They need to
to hear them from you. They need to know that their God is real and he's alive and that he desires to have a relationship with them. Are you being intentional about that? Grandparents, are you being intentional about that? Are you making sure that as you gather together as a family that there are gospel-centered, faith-centered conversations happening where you as a family remember all that God has done and all that he is doing? Lastly, do we have, do we, or do we look forward to the day of redemption? Yes, we're to remember. Yes, we're to look back and allow those experiences, allow those times when God has come through to spur us on into deeper trust of him. But we're also to look forward to the day of the Lord. We're to look forward to that moment when the Lord revisits us so that we can remember that this is temporary, so that we can ponder upon the fact that there is something much greater that God has before us. And so we can live our life with abandon here, knowing that our time on earth is short, knowing that we have something far greater waiting for us. That should excite us. That should spur us on to greater work. That should cause us to want to be involved in his ministry, to want to be involved in his kingdom. That should want us to tell our children about who he is and what he has for us. I'm going to ask the praise team to come back up this morning. We're just going to have a time of response. I don't know where you're at this morning. I don't know how this sermon speaks to you. Maybe this morning you would confess that you've forgotten. You've forgotten your first love. You've forgotten that moment when Christ saved you. You've forgotten what it's like to trust him. You've forgotten all the times that he's come through for you. And you've been living a life of just your own way. Not worrying about what he's doing. And this morning, maybe you just need to confess that to him and ask him to remind you. Maybe this morning you need to tell yourself the testimony of how he saved you. Maybe you're here this morning and you realize that, and you would confess that as a parent, as a grandparent, that you haven't turned your heart towards your children and you haven't made it a point to have those gospel-related conversations, those faith-centered conversations. This morning, you you need to make a commitment to do that in your own household. Maybe this morning you're a child here and you need to turn your heart back to your parents and say, you know what, maybe they're not as crazy as I thought they were. We've all had those moments. You all chuckle like you never did that in life, okay? But we need to turn our hearts back. There's those of us that need to ask for forgiveness in that area as well. Maybe this morning you just need to stand and worship with us because you do remember what great things he has done. And you need to praise him with abandon. Praise him as David did as we let everything else go and allow him to just fill us with his spirit. Let me pray with you this morning and then you respond. Father, we come before you and I thank you so much for the opportunity that we have to come in your house. Lord, I thank you for the times upon times in my own life when you have rescued me from unwise decisions Lord when you have rescued me from sin when you have rescued me in my time of need and you have provided exactly what I needed in that moment Father help me not to stay silent Father forgive me when I have not proclaimed those 
things before your people. Forgive me for the times when I have not talked about those stories with those that are lost so that they may know that you are real, that they may know that you are active. Father, forgive me for the times when I grow weary and I grow tired and I just choose to be selfish. Lord, help me to have a heart for others and to pour into them all that I can because you have done the same and more for me. Father, I pray as we have this time of response, Lord, that you would speak to us as a people, that we would respond to you out of our hearts and out of the, out of the Holy Spirit. I pray that this time will be a time of worship to you. I pray this in your name.